0: As Trinity Episcopal Midtown family continues conversations surrounding racism, we would like to thank each and every one of you for your contributions to this podcast series. Our goal is not to debate whether or not racism or white privilege exists, but rather simply to share our individual experiences and to work to find ways we can address racism, both personally and professionally. We believe this can be accomplished through the exchange of open, meaningful, and respectful conversations surrounding anti-racism. We believe that collectively and as Christians, we can work proactively toward identifying and opposing practices, structures, and systems that enable racism to flourish and exist in our world. It is our hope that through this work we can achieve a greater understanding of social justice, which is simply allowing all persons equal access to the benefits and freedoms of a society and to also be free from the unequal distribution of its burdens.
1: My name is Colin Boothby, and I'm the Organist choirmaster, and Associate for Connections Ministries at Trinity Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. Angel, I'd like to thank you and your wife Sheila for inviting me to be on this week's episode of Racism Revealed. Since the beginning of this podcast, I've been the editor, but it's a pleasure to be included and speak about the topic of racism and how we're working for an anti-racist future. I am a white, straight, Christian male. That checks off all of the boxes of the most privileged category a person can be in our country I think that I'd always been aware at least peripherally that privilege existed and that growing up I, I had some privilege but over the last couple of months especially since the death of George Floyd it's really been a process and I've continued to learn about how strong my privilege is and how all-encompassing it is. And that that has been a good thing for me, I think, and it's not always been an easy thing. Uh, so one little story I wanted to share today was happened just maybe a couple weeks after George Floyd was murdered, and there were, was going to be a peaceful protest in downtown Houston. And I live not terribly far from downtown. I'm not in downtown proper, to, proper but just a, a couple miles outside. And I think there must have been nice weather that day because I thought, oh, I might enjoy going for a run outside uh, that evening that there was to be the protest scheduled. And so I was walking i don't remember where i might have been walking to my car and i thought to myself well am i going to be safe going for a run you know there's going to be a protest and i stopped dead in my tracks and thought oh my gosh you can't think that that's that's insane that that came from such a place of privilege to think that my safety might be endangered because there was going to be a protest a mile away. But a few weeks, I believe, before George Floyd was murdered, Ahmaud Arbery tried to do the same thing that I was planning to do. He went for a jog in his neighborhood. He was pursued by armed white terrorists, and shot and killed. I went on my jog, and wasn't pursued by anybody, and got a little exercise, and my life that day continued on basically as normal. And so more and more, I realize how strong my privilege is. And I'm very thankful for you and your ministry in walking with all of the people who have shared their stories, whether they've been victims of racism, proponents of racism, however they've been affected by racism. So this summer, I thought I would enjoy reading a book that I'd actually never read before, uh, which is... George Orwell's 1984. And as I was reading this, I was really struck by a passage um, in the book that talks about sort of the construct of society and the reorganizing of power. And this isn't a particularly optimistic outlook, but just to sort of summarize, um, basically the... The idea is that there's always a high, a middle, and low, and that the high group has the most power and influence, the middle has a little bit, and the low basically has nothing. And so in the book it says that um, the groups have been subdivided in many ways, They've they've borne countless different names, their relatives' numbers as well as their attitude toward one another have varied from age to age. But essentially, the structure—excuse <clears throat> me. Essentially, the structure of society has never altered. Even after enormous upheavals and seemingly irrevocable changes, the same pattern has always reasserted itself. And then he goes on to say, and "This is a quote: The aims of these three groups are entirely irreconcilable. The aim of the high is to remain where they are." The aim of the middle is to change places with the high. The aim of the low, when they have an aim, for it is an abiding characteristic of the low that they are too much crushed by drudgery to be more than intermittently conscious of anything outside their daily lives, is to abolish all distinctions and create a society in which all shall be equal. And so it basically talks about here how the high are overthrown when the middle uprises and enlists the, the low on their side by pretending that they are fighting for liberty and justice. And I couldn't help think about how, in our society, for so long the voices of African Americans has been diminished and been tamped down and generally by a white middle-class society. And since George Floyd's death, it really seems like the middle class is now becoming aware of this problem in a way that it hasn't before. But sort of in the context of this reading, it really caused me to think how how can we ensure that it will be different this time? That it won't be the middle group that rises up and takes power, but that we strive to elevate the low. Because I I think, and maybe this is just an overly optimistic thought, but I think we have the chance, we have the opportunity to do that this time. And so I I look forward to hearing from you if you have any thoughts about what are ways, either on a micro scale, an individual scale, that we can do this. And also, how can we work to curb some of the systemic issues, which have always been there, but that are now being filmed, they're now being discussed, like we're doing, and they're now more publicly visible. So I definitely I don't have any answers about this, but I really hope that this time it doesn't end up that the high is replaced by the middle, a new middle forms, and the low still is the low, Which, which is the suggestion. Of course, by George Orwell. Of course, this book is a dystopian fiction, but I think there's a lot of lessons we can learn from that, because I, I think that is an astute observation about history. Um, but I do believe we have the opportunity to change that going forward. So once again, thank you so much for inviting me to be on this week's podcast. It's a pleasure to partner in ministry with you, and I look forward to hopefully finding new ways that I might be able to use my privilege to help amplify voices of anyone who has been oppressed, whether it's their skin color, their gender, their sexuality, but my commitment is to do my best using my privilege to help those people so thank you so much and i look forward to your response god's peace
2: Hello. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in to our next podcast series. This would be segment uh, 10 of our podcast series uh, today, Monday, September 7th. Colin, thank you so much, Uh, young man. Thank you for your participation in our uh, series on racism. God has blessed you with so many wonderful gifts and talents, and you have No qualms at all about sharing. Our podcast series wouldn't be uh, as successful without your help. So thank you so much. When we talk about white privilege, uh, many people become offended or defensive. Having white privilege doesn't mean you don't have hurdles. It simply means you have fewer of them. To put white privilege into perspective... Think of white privilege as an unearned, almost randomly assigned head start. Author Mickey Kendall uh, of Hood Feminism states, quote, White privilege doesn't guarantee that you are going to win the race. It just means that you get to uh, have a start a few feet further up, up ahead, end quote. Another young author named Peggy McIntosh wrote, an essay on white privilege and likens uh, the power of normal to an invisible backpack filled with benefits of serving white privilege that pervades every aspect of our lives. It's important uh, for us to acknowledge white privilege and to understand the inherent biases that function in our society, and I encourage you, Colin, and others, uh, to continue listening to people of color uh, when we pointed out. I invite you to work on any inherent biases, regardless of age or socioeconomic status, or any individual hurdles. This fight for equality is a journey. So we must learn to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations with each other. Uh, We have to figure out um, how to make a difference. And we must learn to choose where and how we spend our energies. I'd like to close in prayer with um, a prayer of a Bantu pastor. It's an African pastor. So let us bow our heads. Oh God, we offer our thanks to Thee. For sending thy only Son to die for us all, in a world divided by color bars, how sweet a thing it is to know that in thee we all belong to one family. There are times when we unprivileged people weep tears that are not loud but deep, where we think of the suffering we experience. We come to Thee, our only hope of re- and refuge. Help us, O oh God, to refuse to be embittered against those who handle us with harshness. We are grateful to Thee for the gift of laughter at all times. Save us from hatred of those who oppress us. May we follow Thy Spirit of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, we will have a one more segment. It will be segment 11 of our podcast series on next week, Monday, September 14th. And then uh, the following week on Monday... Uh, following the fourteenth, the twenty-first, September twenty-first, twenty twenty, my wife and I, Sheila, will close out this podcast series uh, with segment twelve. So continue to tune in, and we appreciate uh, all of you for listening, learning, um, and being inspired by our work. Thank you so much again, Colin for your continued help with this, and to the Reverend Hannah Atkins for uh, allowing such a platform, and uh, to all of those of you who have taken time out of your busy lives and schedules to listen, uh, to learn, and um, to appreciate the work. So have a great week. Take care of yourselves and each other. God bless.